over 3 billion pounds of beef was imported into the U.S. in 2023. Wow. That's a lot of meat. It can be born, raised, and harvested anywhere in the world and get shipped into the United States. As long as it goes into a USDA facility and gets repackaged, they can get an American flag sticker put on it and say, product of USA. When we started learning these things, we kind of drew a line in the sand that we're only going to source domestically. And we're only going to source that we know is clean. Honestly, that was a big game changer for us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lila Rose podcast. Did you know that more people are consuming meat than ever before? Despite the push by maybe the vegetarian or the vegan movements, people are actually valuing meat more than ever in 2024. And the trends show that the meat industry is growing rapidly as well. Today, we're going to talk to Ben and Corley Spell of Good Ranchers. We've talked about them on the podcast before, but to really unpack their meat packing company, their meat distribution company, and how they're sourcing all of their products from American ranchers. Good Ranchers is one of the fastest growing meat companies in the United States. They've been growing rapidly and the demand for meat continues to go up. So if you're a meat lover, you're maybe on a carnivore diet, this will be fascinating for you. And if you're meat skeptical, you'd wanna hear about the origins of this company and also why they feel so strongly about the importance of sourcing products like meat in the United States. This is not to say global trade isn't good and it's not good to trade with our neighbors, but it's important to have a food supply that is local and that you know where your food's coming from. So Ben and Corley Spell, they started their life as a youth pastor family. They were involved actually in ministry at the church level. They did not think they'd get into business or certainly not into meatpacking and distribution, but this is their unlikely story and how they have become one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. A big thank you to Good Ranchers. This is a pro-life, pro-family company. They are a sponsor of this podcast. They're also just amazing people that run a great business. And so thank you to Good Ranchers for sponsoring the episode. And thank you to Good Ranchers for sending me and my husband some great meat. If you go to goodranchers.com today for the month of February, you can get 10% off your order using the code Lila at checkout. That's ordering American meat delivered at goodranchers.com. Deliver directly to your door from American Ranchers and use the code Lila at checkout for 10% off your order. Ben and Corley Spell, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so glad to be here. So our audience already knows about Good Ranchers because we've been talking about it, (laughs) and I know a lot of them love it. Our family loves Good Ranchers, but there's so much to the Good Ranchers story and to you guys and your personal story, so I'm really excited to get into that today. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing, though, is you know starting Good Ranchers is, let's start with that Mm because people want to hear the backstory. It's a pretty unique backstory. When I first started, I was like, wow, there's something, God is doing something special with this company. So I'd love to hear what inspired you to start Good Ranchers, especially coming from a pastor ministry background, Mm -hmm. not business, and totally feeling led to start one of the fastest, the fastest growing, uh, small, you know, locally sourced Mm -hmm. meat companies in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having us on. Um, we love what you do and love what you stand for, and uh, we're happy to be here. So, in um, prior to Good Ranchers, I was a I was a worship pastor. I was the for those of you who don't know that what that is, that's the guy who's <laughs> playing the guitar and singing. Um, and uh, I worked for a large church in Houston, um, and I ran like the whole. Uh, when I say a lot, everything's bigger in Texas. So it's like a 15,000 member church. Um, and so that's small in Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so I ran the entire music production department. And um, <clears throat> so that's what I did 
from the time I was a teenager all the way into my mid thirties. And I started praying and asking God to um, give give me something. I was uh, this wasn't a term back then, but I was praying for a side hustle hmm. because I I was I didn't like that all of my um, finances were paid by the church. Hmm. And so I started praying and asking God to open um, a door for me, open an opportunity for me, and and He started giving me this idea of a meat company, and like it, it was never ever the first time I had the idea. There was not a chance that that was for me. And I remember telling Corley, like, "Hey, somebody should do this, 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 and this." And uh, and there there was not even a drop in the bucket of a thought that we were the ones to do it. A few months go go by, and um, I would have the idea again. About every three months for about a year, I would have these thoughts. And it's funny because hindsight's twenty twenty. I was praying and asking God to give me, <laughs> give me uh, aside something uh, else that I could do. And uh, he keeps dropping this meat company ideas uh, and uh, in my head. And, and I'm just completely oblivious as, you know, um, uh, men can be um, <laughs> accused of being sometimes <laughs> and uh, just completely oblivious that this is for us. And, and uh, yeah, every three or four months I would talk to Corley about it. And, but it was always someone else should do this it was never that. And then, uh, you know, never for us. And one morning, um, I was getting ready. It was, it was a Sunday and I was getting ready to go to church and, um, I was just getting ready. And all of a sudden I started thinking of the meat company again <laughs> and I clearly heard God's voice. I mean, it was, it was, it, it shook me and he said, you do it. Wow. And it was, it was like thunderous in my head. And like, and, uh, I came out of the bathroom, I think like I saw a ghost because she, um, I think she could tell, um, the sobriety I had when I came to her and I said, God just told me to start a meat company <laughs> and thinking she was going to give me all the reasons why, cause we had never talked about us doing that. We were just, it was just really a very ancillary thing that we had would, would mention and then move on. Um, when I said that to her, she said, if you heard God, then I trust you. Wow. And, um, which the, that was amazing in and in of itself. Like, um, because the, if your wife believes in you, if your wife doesn't believe in you, like that's a really hard, <laughs> that's a very hard thing. But uh, when your wife does believe in you and has your back, um, uh, for, for, at least for me, I mean, I feel like I could do anything if I have Corley's support and for her to just say, I support you, I trust you, um, I'm in this with you. And because um, we had just had our first baby boy, um, we didn't have any money in savings, you know, hardly. Like, no money. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, so um, we only know one way to do things and that's kind of go all in. So um, that was like in December of 2017. I resigned in January. I resigned actually in December, starting as January, and filed an LLC. Started figuring out where can I buy some meat, and <laughs> and just a few, like maybe eight, eight ten think. weeks later, I was selling meat out of the back of a truck in a parking lot in Waco, <laughs> Texas. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how we started Good Ranchers. And yeah. but God is faithful, and um, and when God is in something, you know He's in something. And um, we've worked very hard, and we've been diligent to to be good stewards of what God has given us. Mm -hmm. um, but it's never really been hard. 
Um, it's def- and that hasn't been easy, but it's never really been hard because um, God truly has gone before us every step of the way. I mean, our first year, um, we were successful and we were profitable, which is just wow. a, I, I know. And um, that, So I want to stop there for a second because you're thinking for a year at Meet. Mm-hmm. Why? And what, what was the inspiration for the Meat Company? And then what would you discover as you were starting Good Ranchers about the the state of the meat industry in America and the need for good ranchers. Yeah. So do you want to answer that one? Well, I think part of it for me, just, you know, having your first baby or just being pregnant leading up to the baby, that whole time you're you're thinking about what's going to be best for the baby, what's going to be best for me, our health. And so I think for me personally, that's whenever I started diving into what are we eating? Where is it coming from? What's the source? And kind of asking those questions. And we did it together. And so just having that going on and then, you know, you doing your own research and stuff, I feel like that led to like the meat. It's like, well, where's this meat coming from at the grocery store? Mm-hmm. It says this, but like, is it really from there? Um, yes, we, led to yes we started um, when we first started uh, full transparency, those first couple of years, um, we didn't have any buying power. We were just mm-hmm. buying from brokers. We didn't know what we didn't know. And um, but as we started as we began to get some buying power and and started um, buying more versus some purchasing power, buying more and more, um, we started to be able to cut out um, middlemen and brokers and layers and get straight to some producers. And that's when we realized uh, it wasn't until 2019, toward the end of 2019, that we realized there's no country of origin labeling law for beef uh, or pork in the U.S. And um, and that the, prior to 2015. There's always been country of origin labeling law, like wow, um, on on everything, yeah. and there still is for vegetables and produce and um, t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, you and, know why not meat? It, right, it, exactly. But for beef and pork, there's no country of origin labeling law, um, as long as it it can be born, raised, and harvested anywhere in the world, and come into the uh, get shipped into the United States. Um, if as long as it goes into a USDA facility and gets repackaged. Um, they can get an American flag sticker put on it and say product of USA. Really do they big. test it? Is there testing that they have to do? Um, as you, What do you mean by testing? Like when the meat comes in, I mean, what are the standards even for the meat, if any? Like, Yeah, yeah I mean, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna test it for E. coli. They're going to yeah. take those things. Sure. But, you know, it's... But you don't know how it was raised. You, you don't, don't know how you it, don't was know it was treated. raised. Yeah, they don't, they're, not, they're not looking, they're not looking, they're not testing for... Um, like hormonal use, antibiotic use, like yeah. they're not testing for for any yeah. of those things. And uh, and fun fact, uh, if you if you look at all of the cases of of E. coli in the last go back however many years, um, nine out of ten of them, and that's 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 a pretty safe number. Um, almost all of them are from imported meat. Wow. Well, what I've said on the show before, people listening who have heard me talk about Good Ranchers, it is the best beef and chicken that my husband and I have had, you know, compared to anything from the grocery store. Sure. Because when we get from the grocery store and, you know, not to like throw out another name, but like Costco. I love Costco. I'm a fan. I'm a mom. I go to Costco. But, you know, even that and you Mm -hmm. feel like you've got good products at Costco the chicken just doesn't compare to the Good Ranchers mm-hmm. chicken. It just it just tastes, it's not that stringy, dry, yeah. separated taste. And then the meat is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So we're like, walk us through now where you are. Mm-hmm. This is years, you're five years into the company? Yeah, we're going into okay. six, yeah. Last yeah. year was our fifth year. So you said at first you were just starting, you're not really familiar with the environment, but what yeah. does it mean when you say like, 
the meat comes from an American right. So uh, so ranch. first and foremost, yeah. almost everything that you're buying in the grocery store, so much of it. So three billion pounds, uh, over three billion pounds of beef was imported into the U.S. in 2023. That's, wow, that's a lot yeah. of meat. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> so much meat in the grocery store is is coming from Mex coming from feedlots in Mexico, mm -hmm. coming from South America, coming from um, lots of different places. And, um, and again, it's especially even places like Costco, which you think are so great. Um, and, uh, it is great <laughs> for certain, for certain, the for dried certain mango things. bags. Yes. Yeah, so for, good. for certain things. But, um, uh, at the end of the day, beef, chicken, uh, you, the meat aisle is a commodity yeah. for ever it, it, in the U.S. and across the world, it is a commodity, and the grocery stores, even Costco's, even your Whole Foods, like mm -hmm. all of the grocery stores, they are, um, they're, they've just commoditized it. Even like that's um, the reason you say that the, the chicken is such a difference. Like organic has has become uh, the the there's so much greenwashing, mm -hmm. uh, even especially in the organic label for chicken. What like, does that mean, greenwashing? Uh, it, it means uh, saying fancy things to like putting a fancy claim out there that absolutely means nothing, nothing. to that specific product. So to be organic for like fruits and vegetables is important because, you know, those are sprayed with all the things. But for meat, for chicken specifically, it it has like. Yeah, they, they realized, oh, we as long as we we can, it can be free range organic chickens and we can. Um, as long as we give them access to outside, <laughs> mm -hmm. so they're still right. be in cages all day long. Because you're, and as long as we give them organic feed, which they've they've turned um, that we you know we figured out how to just make organic pellets um, and feed them organic feed, uh, they really can never go outside. But they had access to outside, so it can still be uh, labeled as organic. Yeah. Uh, the same thing. The same. Same thing is is very true even with with uh, grass fed and things like that. Like like again, the large large corporations out there, um, they are they want to make as much money as they can because that's on one part that's capitalism. But uh, they as soon as they realize, oh, okay, well this is what the consumer wants. How can I do this? How can I skate the line as close as possible? Give them what they're what they're asking for, but still make as much profit. So even with grass fed, they figured out, okay, well, we can, we can turn grass into pellets and we can, you know, there's different types of grasses or different types of things. And, and, uh, we can still, we can still feed lot beef and feed them grass pellets. And now it's grass fed beef. Like there's, there's yeah. so many ways around in, you know, all, all these things. Um, and then, um, other, other things, uh, for the sake of time, I'll I'll just stop there. Uh, we could I mean we can keep going down the list of claims and and, yeah. and things. Just um, but um, but <clears throat> when we started learning these things, we said, okay, well mm -hmm. we we care about what we eat. We care about about what we bring into our home. So what what we we kind of drew a line in the sand um, right at the beginning of twenty, going into year um, three, going into twenty twenty. We drew a line in the sand and said we're only going to source domestically because mm -hmm. uh, prior to we. We, that's when we learned, okay, a lot of what we were buying was coming from Mexico, was coming from South America, was coming from um, from other parts of the world. And um, we said, we're only going to buy source domestically and we're only going to source um, um, that that we know um, is clean. Um, we 
we don't want antibiotics in our food. We don't want added hormones in our food. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you know, we want to know how the animals are being raised. And so we made that decision in going into 2020. And um, that was, for, honestly, that was a big game changer for us. And we, uh, we, we did it for the health reasons initially. We didn't realize that it actually tasted better. And, um, but as we started getting into it, like we realized, wow, like, like what we're selling is so much better than the grocery store. And mm-hmm. people, like what you said, people say it all the time. They, they go, man, your beef is really good, but what do you do to the chicken? And it's like, we don't really, well, that's the thing. we don't, we don't do, do anything with yeah, chicken. That's just what it's, it's chicken's chicken. supposed to yeah. taste like. Yeah. It's, uh, Cluck it around. yeah. And so, um, and, and yeah, now we, we, we have, um, pork and wild caught seafood as well now. So, yeah. which again, all adheres to the same standards and, um, but yeah, you know, we, we believe that you are what you eat mm-hmm. and what you put into your body is what you're going to get out of your body. And, and people care way more about the type of fuel they put in their car um, <laughs> and, are, and they should be looking at the type of fuel they're putting into their body. A hundred percent. All right. So maybe part of your 2024 resolution is to eat healthier. And for you, that's the carnivore diet. What about your skin? How do you do healthier and better skincare? Well, that's why I have loved discovering NimiSkincare.com. I've been using them faithfully the last six months, and Nimi Skincare is an amazing product. Nimi Skincare is packed with proven ingredients that work. I love using their deep hydration cream. I also have their sunscreen on right now and like using their vitamin C scrub. They have really great products in line for really any age and any kind of skin that you might have. Check them out today at NimiSkincare.com. You'll also love that this is a company that not only has great ingredients and great products, but they support your values. It's a pro-life, pro-family company. So check out NimiSkincare.com today. You can use the code Lila at checkout for 15% off your order. Let me know what you think. I've loved using them. That's NimiSkincare.com and it's 15% off your order with the code Lila. So one of the things that I really like about Good Ranchers is that it there's, there's a sense, I mean, again, there's, and people who listen to the podcast are really, I think, educated on you know, some of the kind of globalization trends that are happening. And, you know, we are so reliant on other countries for a lot of necessities as a as a nation. So I think there's a concern about even just security, like know where your food is from, you know, know your local farmer, in your case, know your local rancher. And I think there's so much power in, in understanding where your food is from and there's security to that. And there's also just building community to that. Yeah. Um, not to say that trade is bad or that we don't wanna do trade with other yeah. countries, that's all can be great. But tell me about your perspective on that and what your journey has been with Good Ranchers because again, so much of our food supply, even as a country, is outsourced, mm-hmm. but the small family farm or, fa- or uh, ranch mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily gotten the support historically, at least in recent years, that it needs compared to the big corporations and how Good Ranchers is really disrupting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've been kind of at war um, against, there's been an anti-meat movement for the last couple of decades. It's gotten really loud the the, the last decade, uh, especially through the 2010s and teens. Um, but it's it's been happening for a long time, and the I will say the anti meat movement, whether it's PETA or veganism um, or um, the SBCA, like the this anti meat movement has done an amazing job at dehumanizing the farmers and ranchers, at mm-hmm. just removing the face of these small families, and mm-hmm. and and just putting and putting you know inserting the face of big corporation and it's and it's really bad there's there is that but 
what they don't tell you is that in the U.S. currently, there are approximately 700,000 independent ranches. Wow. That is a mom, a dad, a couple kids, a family, a dog, usually a grandparent, multi-generational ranches that make up 20% of the world's beef supply. 700,000 independent ranches Mm -hmm. in the U.S. today, and you don't see their face. You don't know them. And they are dependent. Their average herd size of those ranches is about 50. Like, uh, that's that that's not that many. So the it's imperative that they raise these animals to the best that they can raise them so they can then turn around and sell them mm-hmm. and make a little bit of profit to just survive. And um yeah, I was in a I was uh visiting a, a ranch last April and uh, I was right into the spring. This was in Idaho, su- southern Idaho and it, I was talking to the grandfather um of the family and he said and i've been i've lived here for 70 years or so 60 years and and he said this last winter was one of the harshest winters i've ever lived through and he tells the story of they were expecting some calves to be born in february and they kept going out and checking them throughout the day and they they just weren't born they weren't born and so they they come in for the night they go back out in the middle of the night and they had been born and they're Eyes were frozen shut. Their ears no. were frozen shut. Frostbite was starting to take in. And they they took these three calves and brought them into their living room and put them blankets around them and put them in front of the fireplace, um, thinking that they were probably not going to make it through the night and wake up the next morning. And this is not a big house. I mean, this is again, you know, you people watch Yellowstone and they think mm-hmm. there's you know ranchers. <laughs> Most ranchers aren't rolling like that. I promise. And. Uh, and thinking they, they probably weren't even going to make it through the night, but they wake up the next morning and three little calves are running around their, their living room. When I was there in April, you know, they're uh, much bigger now and they're running around in the field. That's the kind of care that, that uh, American ranchers, um, by and large, are putting into their animals. But again, the whole anti-meat movement has dehumanized them. Is They've erased them from existence and they make you think, that everything's a big corporation, everything is, mm-hmm. if you're buying meat, you're bad because you're supporting this big corporation. And there's a lot of families that are working 365 days a year. They don't get a day off to put food on our table. Yeah. And particularly good ranchers is, I mean, you're personally visiting. Do you personally visit the ranches that you are it's, buying from? Like, yeah, sounds like you're, it's a point, very yes. hands-on process. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I love, what I love about good ranchers is, like you said, we are like a platform for these farms and ranches because mm-hmm. They are really good at raising animals. That's what they've called. They're called to. They're gifting, and they're able to focus on that. And then good ranchers can come in, and we're like a co-op for them, and we're doing the marketing for them. We're doing the packaging and distribution for them, the selling side, so yeah. they can focus on what they're good at, and helping tell their story. Because yeah, yeah, they, these the, these guys they're they're great at raising meat. They they, they and because that's just what they want to do. Yeah. They. And uh, but somebody's got to help be a voice for them because mm-hmm. when they they haven't had a voice and the country of origin labeling just gets stripped away silently in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vast uh, majority of Americans have no idea. People are starting to kind of hear about that and because there's people like us that have been talking mm-hmm. about it for years now. But I remember when we first started telling this story about three years ago, everyone's eyes would light up when they heard what do you mean? There's no country of origin labeling law, and um, uh, you know, I don't care personally um, w- w- if that meat's imported and sold in the U.S. Like that's fine. Be- people have the right to be able to buy whatever they should be able to buy 
if they want meat from New Zealand, if they want meat from Mexico, if they want meat from South America, Canada, it doesn't matter. They should be able to, they could buy that, but it should be labeled. Yeah. There shouldn't be this, um, there shouldn't be this, uh, the, the misleading of the label. They, they should have to say what country it's from, because I guarantee you, any of your listeners and and 90% of Americans, if they go to the grocery store and says, this was born, raised, and harvested in the United States, and this was born, raised, and harvested in anywhere else, they're usually going to pick up the born, raised, and harvested in the United yeah. States because people want to, people still want to shop local. They want to support their community. They want to support their country. Yeah. Well, I think that's the disruption of good ranchers in a good way <clears throat> in the market is that right now, like if you just go to that grocery store, you don't know. That's right. Even yeah. if it says product of the United States, you don't know if it was you know, raised and harvested mm -hmm. here in the United States. But with Good Ranchers, it's, you know, you're supporting those 700,000 or, you know, whatever number you're partnering with at any given yeah. year yeah. of those ranch ranchers. And I just think too, from like, you know, COVID hit. And I do want to hear your guys's perspective on COVID because COVID hit and, you know, the grocery store lines started to stretch and then there was shortages. I remember the ground beef shortage that mm -hmm. hit everybody. I didn't know about Good Ranchers yet <clears throat> during COVID. Yeah. Um, I've only, you know, in the last year gotten familiar, but what? how did that affect you guys? And, you know, what were, what were kind of American ranchers doing during COVID? Yeah, um, struggling, struggling, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> struggling, that's, that's for sure. Um, the... Yeah, so when when COVID happened in 2020, it it really showed, man, it it showed a lot of weaknesses in a lot of areas of our country. Um, so food supply would be would be a big one. It showed um, you know, trauma, or I guess it's just trauma. Um, what's another word for trauma? What I'm trying to say, like, like hard times. Hard times. There we go. Yeah. Uh, hard times can expose the 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 holes in the ship, and uh, so uh, COVID really exposed a lot of holes in in a lot of different systems, but in in our food su supply for sure because um, we were really quick and the toilet paper supply. Yes, so. that too. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, to to know that at any point. Um, the store could just the stores could just run out of meat and and run out of food and I remember formula that was the other run out of formula yeah and yes. we're like and we're stuck going oh my gosh what do we do mm -hmm. uh, fortunately because we have direct um, access and direct supply we never ran out um, and which was a m massive blessing to us and to our business mm -hmm. because um, there was a period of probably six weeks or so um, I think April into May. Um, April into May, March, April, May in that of 2020, that, I mean, that back, this was before we were selling online. We were selling out of trucks uh, uh, across the U.S. We lost online early um, 2021. And, but we didn't run out of meat. We had access and we, every single one of our trucks just had a line of people all day, every day um, for about six weeks straight. And, um, and it was amazing to be able to, it was it was a so sobering thought, honestly, to to know that we're able to provide food to a lot of people that didn't have access to it. So yeah, and not only that, we were able to help other small businesses because I remember like restaurants calling us and restaurant suppliers calling us because they had all this meat, but the restaurants weren't open, and so they had no way of selling it, and they had nothing to you know nowhere for it to go, and so. 
we were able to offset for, offset that from them and and distribute for them. So there was a lot of good that that came from it. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of being able to to bless, um, so you know, my background and being a pastor, like mm-hmm. I'm still very connected with churches, and churches took a big hit during COVID because, um, but generally, even faithful church attenders, if they don't going to church, if they're not going to church, they usually don't. They stop giving, just kind of how it how it how it happens. The the nature of that. So churches were really kind of struggling. Uh, it's like especially small churches and church plants were really struggling to stay in business. Um, and uh, we were um, not able to. We were also in a financial place to be able to support and and um, mm-hmm. uh, not just with food, but also with with money as well. Um, and I, and I only say that to give to give credit and honor to God because. Yeah. He said, start a meat company. We had no idea why we were doing it, but um, we did. And we look up a few years later and we're, um, and I'm thankful. I'm so grateful that we listened because we were, we were in a position to, to be able to do a lot of good. Yeah. Um, Okay. So no morning is complete without what? Coffee. And that's why I love Seven Weeks Coffee. Sevenweekscoffee.com is America's pro-life coffee company. It's gourmet, small batched, ethically sourced coffee that is delicious. You're going to love it. Every time you buy from sevenweekscoffee.com, you're also giving 10% of your order, your money directly to pregnancy resource centers that are helping moms and babies. So why bother buying from other brands you see on the grocery aisle store when you know that this brand, Seven Weeks Coffee, is not just delicious and amazing and gourmet, but it also is directly funding and fueling the pro-life movement. So go to sevenweekscoffee.com today. You can make your order. Use the code Lila at checkout for 10% off your order and enjoy a delicious cup of coffee that is helping to also fuel the pro-life movement. I think that's a really inspiring part of the story that I love is the entrepreneurial spirit that felt very, you know, a calling. It was not just, I want to do this thing, but God's calling us as a family to do this thing that we don't have direct experience for, and we're going to just figure it out. And you said something earlier that it wasn't ever, it was not easy, but it wasn't ever really hard. Can you explain more of that? I know a lot of people who listen to the show are interested in entrepreneurial things. We have a lot of moms who do, you know, side hustles and people who are starting businesses. So what what have you learned as small business now building a large business owners? Yeah, right. And what does that mean it wasn't hard? Yeah. I just, I feel like for us, that means if you're in God's will and you're praying and God's going to go before you and and all of that, like, it's just going to feel right. You know, you're not, you're not going to have all this pushback and and things that you're fighting or just trying to figure out on your own, it's just going to naturally progress. And there might, I mean, there might be times of, you know, trouble or um, things, things happen that you're like, well, why did that happen? But I don't know. It's just, it's just been like a, an easy road. And as long as we're obedient to God and following what he's called us to do, it's just been like a, a very easy road. Yeah. The, the right doors opened again. Um, COVID, for example, it opened so many doors for us because, mm-hmm. um, and we were just, I, I, our story is we've just constantly been in the right place at the right time. And, uh, and it's, and, and again, I think that's what, uh, you know, I, I'm reminded of, uh, of how Saul was anointed to be king and, um, he, his father told him, uh, there was a couple of lost donkeys and his father said, go find the donkeys. And 
um, Saul would have definitely been, his family would have most likely been wealthy because they had they had servants and they had donkeys and they had all this these animals and and it could have been very easily we know that Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone he was um, he was probably uh, he was the oldest of his of his brothers and of his family and it would have been really easy for him to to go I'm too good to go do that I I don't need to go like I can just send the servants I don't have to go find a couple donkeys that's a very um, minuscule thing and um, but he did and in doing that he met Samuel he met and the prophecy was to Samuel a boy's going to come along looking for donkeys that's the one you're going to anoint to be king and um, and the moral of that story is um, you know so many people are looking for their call to be king but they don't want to do the work of looking for the donkeys Mm -hmm. and I believe that God um, God moves and elevates and um, people who listen and, and and do as he commands. And he usually doesn't, com- like he didn't command us start a meat company that's going to that's gonna be the fastest growing in the U.S. and is going to do all these great things. Like, you know, especially, you know, coming from being a pastor and being a worship pastor and being the guy who's, again, at a 15,000 member church, like I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've led worship in multiple arenas um, with tens of thousands of people um, many times in my life. And every week I was up in front of thousands of people and to like, to, to remove from that platform. And, you know, there's nothing sexy about starting a meat company. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, uh, but to, to follow God's voice and go, okay. Um, because again, I, I thought that my, that our call was going to be eventually to start a church. Mm-hmm. That's really what I thought we were going to do. Like from like the meat company would be a way to help yes. start this. Church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought, and the reason I would, so back up a little bit, the reason I was praying, God, give me something else because I wanted to plant a church mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to plant a church. And I thought that, and so I was praying, God, give me something that we can, that I can do to where I would, I would, um, cause when you plant a church, you have no money. And I thought, well, if I could at least do something to make some money, then I could then, um, I would be able to plant a, a church. And um, and so God says, start a meat company. And going into it, I fully thought, we both fully thought, okay, well, this is this is the means to the end, especially when the first year was successful, we were profitable. We were like, hey, okay, we're going to do this for a year or two, and then we'll go start a church. But then we look up in 2020 and we realize, oh, this is what you called us to, and yeah. and now going into year six, and um, we, we um, again, you don't know what you don't know, and well, having only been in ministry my entire life, like that's all I knew, but now I see now I see a, a complete other side of ministry mm-hmm. through business and being a Christian business owner, um, where we have we're able to provide quality jobs. Well, not even not even quality jobs, but a quality place to work. A, yeah. Um, for people to come every day um, and be able to provide an atmosphere that people enjoy coming to, like mm-hmm. that's a very rewarding yeah. thing in and of itself. But um, and able to, you know, be able to give mothers. We had four babies born <laughs> last year. Yeah, yeah. And, Actually, I think it was five. Yeah, and our employees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and to be able to give moms um, uh, three months off, six months off, and in a lot of cases, uh, maternity leave. We give the dads. I think. 90 days paternity leave. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
we we pay for half of everyone's daycare up to six or seven years old to be able to provide those things for families. Yeah. Um, that's, that's an, that, you know, those are the things we didn't even think of mm-hmm. when we said, you know, we heard, said, oh, start a meat company. And, you know, those are all things completely on the other side of what we're doing to try to help American farms and ranches and um, know where your food is coming from and all these things. So there's a lot that encompasses. I feel like I just said a whole lot of things. But um, do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> you said a lot. No, it's great. I would say going back to like our side of it, like in office, it really is special. Because I remember the first few years I'd ask Ben, I'm like, okay, so when are we starting the church? Yeah. You know, you're called to ministry. Like, what are we doing this? And then I just had this like epiphany moment one one night and I was like, oh, like this is our ministry. You know, wow. we, we started just in our living room. It was just us. And then now it's grown. We have like 50 employees now. And they're so amazing. We love them so much. And they just love coming into the office and they're on mission. And, you know, we have these people for 40 hours a week and for them to like love coming to work. Like it's, I know that it's, it's bettering us, but it's been bettering, bettering their lives too. So, yeah. What are you, what are some of the tools that you guys use as Christian business owners to guide your decision-making? You mentioned prayer earlier. I mean, it was really prayer that inspired the whole company. It sounds like, like listening to God. Yeah. So yeah. How do you, how do you listen to God as a Christian business owner? And then how do you navigate? You know, there's a lot of tough things in business. It's getting harder and harder. It is. Yeah. I would say like anything that, you know, big corporate America is doing, we are not doing right. (laughs) But no, it is. It's just like, you know, what do these people need um, and how can we provide that in a godly way? You know, how can we be good Christian yeah. leaders for them? That's a, like everything is through that filter. Every decision, every benefit. Um, what else? Yeah. Foreseeing all of it. Yeah. So we, we put, I mean, we put family first. Yeah. We, we've, we tell our employees regularly, they know this, that, um, this job is not the most important thing in your life. Your family and your home is the most important thing in life. Mm-hmm. Your family comes first. This job comes second. Because um, at the end of the day, at some point, this job won't be <laughs> this. At some point, this job won't be here, but your family will. And you have to prioritize your family. And we try our best to to live by that mm-hmm. um, and uh, and to model that, but also to allow that for for our employees as well. And, um, and, and we don't shy away from our faith. We don't shy away that we're Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not a Christian business. Like, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's legal to be that or not. I, I don't you know, know. pay much attention to HR, but, um, <laughs> but every single, I still meet, I'm the final interview for every, every mm-hmm. person, whether they're customer service or operations marketing or doesn't matter. I, um, I still sit down with every single person before they're hired I want, you know, when their manager says, I want to hire this person, I think they're great. Then uh, the final interview is with me. Sometimes it's with both of us. And we tell them, hey, you can believe anything you want and be here, but you have to know that we are Christians. We believe in, we, this is what we believe in. And there are times that, um, there are times that we will talk about our faith. There are times that we will pray over the staff. There will times that, we, and we just put that right out in the open. And if that offends you, then this isn't going to be the place that you're going to you're going to want to work. Again, you can believe anything you want to believe and work here. Just don't just don't let our beliefs offend you or yeah. surprise you. 
I think that's um, rare increasingly, Mm -hmm. you know, to have a successful business that's growing that is faith-based. But I think it's also the future. I know that is, I mean, basically any sponsor for the podcast, it's like, are you aligned on the values? But pursuing excellence is obviously a product that's going to be amazing, but um, it is the future because otherwise... I think the people who who rule business and who are you know most influential in business, they make huge impact on culture. Mm-hmm. So it is a ministry what you guys are doing, a hundred percent, both to serve families with great meat, yeah. but then also to be culture shapers in how you run the business. Yeah, and another cool thing that we get to do with this business is support organizations like like Action. Absolutely. And, oh my gosh, I I mean I've always looked up to you for so long. Like I've just admired you and the work you're doing with your organization. It's so huge. So, like you and you know Ali Stucky and all the other you know pioneers out there. Like it's just really cool that we get to put our marketing spin behind things and people that are you know aligning with our values and that's what we believe too. So. It's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Any last words of encouragement or, uh, you know, for someone who's listening who feels like there's a call on their life, maybe uh, maybe it's a business that they feel inspired to start mm. and they're kind of figuring out, should I take the plunge? Is this something I should do? Any advice for people that maybe feel a calling to do something, but it's daunting? Yeah. I would say first and foremost, obviously prayer and seeking God, but also having like a really supportive community around you, friends, family, whatever that looks like, spouse. But as long as, you know, you have support, the road would be, it will be a lot easier, but doing it solo, I, I feel like would be hard. So just, you know, getting people alongside you that are supporting you and building you up is super important. Yeah. My advice would be do it. Go. <laughs> just, Spoken just like a true entrepreneur. Just, just go because at the end of the day, um, I mean, you, you don't do anything to plan to fail, um, mm-hmm. but it, if if it doesn't work, then you're right back where you were. Like, um, and but the if it does work, it far outweighs mm-hmm. uh, the what if it doesn't work. And um, you just gotta you gotta go. You gotta you you gotta take steps. You just have to do it. There's never a good time to have children. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, you had four it. kids in like five years while <laughs> yeah. you're doing Good Ranchers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, right. But there's, there's your your there's life never is never time. like yeah. perfectly mm-hmm. aligned. Okay, well, now we're gonna have like, and they just bring chaos right into the mix. But um, the the same thing is 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 true. And again, for for us, it was start a meat company. Okay, like we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't take a bunch of time figuring out how we're gonna do it and. And, and do all these things. We just jumped in, and and the same thing was true with even getting online, and um, mm-hmm. uh, which that's our business has just catapulted since being online, and because and, uh, you can only sell so much out of the back of a truck in a parking lot, and and uh, but um, it, but even in that, it's a very hard space to get into um, selling perishable items and mailing them and doing it well. Um, but I remember in, this was in 20, end of 2020, going to 2021. And we had been working for months trying to figure out the logistics of it. And finally, I, um, I told one of, uh, the guy who, the, the employee who was working on trying to get that going, I said, just put me in a box and start shipping. We'll figure it out because at some point, cause it was like, oh, we're going to be another week. We're going to be another two weeks. It's going to be another two months. It's going to, we just kept running to that. And I said, mm-hmm. 
and finally yeah, I send just, it to me. I, and I, I'll yeah, right. I was like, I said, I said, we just gotta, we just gotta start doing it. Um, or we're going to get left behind. And, yeah. um, and I think that the, the same thing is true with even starting. You just have to uh, do your homework, do your research. I'm not like, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I, I hope to be a lifelong learner. And, um, I, I read a quote one time that says, love like you'll uh, die tomorrow, uh, learn like you'll live forever. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I believe in in learning and reading and educating and com- continuing to do that. So do that stuff. But some some things you have to just jump in and start doing it and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. What's the future of Good Ranchers? <sighs> Our three and a half year old daughter running the whole thing. <laughs> As point. a sixteen year old or something, <laughs> At yeah. some point, yeah. she'll be CEO. <laughs> I know she's bossy. Bossy. Yeah. She's um, no. The future is to continue doing what we're doing. We're yeah. you know we uh, we know we're on mission. Um, you know, and uh, by the way, our, so uh, our mission is is to bring people to the table, um, and a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of great things happen around a table. The Last Supper happened around a table. And um, we believe that food brings people together. We believe that food, um, it's its a—it's a fundamental human need. You need air, you need water, you need food. But beyond that, you also need community. And COVID really taught us that we need each other. We need community. Um, and that's what communion is. Jesus said this too, in remembrance of me, when you take the bread, when you drink drink the wine, remember me. And, um, and you know, we've really, um, uh, we've made, we've really traditionalized communion and, um, and, but the reality of, of what Jesus was saying was come around the table, eat food, drink wine, but let me be the center. Make sure that I'm the center. This is my body. This is my blood and everything that you do when you, when you have communion together, when you have community together, remember my sacrifice, remember me. And um, so we wholeheartedly know that food brings people together and we want to provide quality food for people. Um, honestly, we don't even want them to really think about good ranchers. We want them to just have access to good food when they get home to make dinner and be able to get around the table and have communion with their friends and their family. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting your faith to the test and just yeah. going out and doing it. And we enjoy it in our, at our family table. And I know a lot of our listeners do too. And we're grateful to work with you guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, keep it up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lila Rose Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to this on YouTube and you're not already subscribed, please do. And don't forget to ring that notification bell. Also, if you're listening on podcast or Apple, don't forget to leave us a review. That helps the podcast reach more people. And we have a Locals community now. Locals.com, the link is in the bio. This is where you can get special updates, direct information about the show, sneak peeks behind the scenes about what we're working on. Check it out today at the link in the bio and we'll see you next time.